You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about tracking our books and interviewing translator and podcaster, Marsha Lynx-Qualey. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I'm reading a book. So when we first started this podcast, uh, Amber Benson came on and talked about her comic. Yes. Uh, but she's also a writer and a filmmaker mm-hmm. and an actress and all sorts of things. We love Amber. Um, and then she's like, oh, I love this book, Girl, by Blake Nelson. I'm going to send it to you. This is how long it takes me to get to a physical book. <laughs> now I'm reading it. Um, creaked I'm, it open and like a spider crawled out. It was like, I was like, oh, I should read this. Um, because it's about a, I'm not very far. I just started it. About a teen girl in high school. Sort of seems suburban, but I'm not, it must be suburban. Um, in the 90s. In the Pacific Northwest. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And so, sh- and who's like interested in music and kind of on the edge of like, What is my identity from, like, having to do with, like, people who are super preppy, but then also, like, I think I'm into grunge, like, that era where she's trying to figure that out. It's written from her point of view, so it's, like, very—I'm not super far, but it's very, you know— Long run on sentences, and they're it's like written exactly like a teenager. I read this every book and I loved in it. in the '90s talks. Yes. Yeah, so she's like, and then so and so thinks this, and I think this, and blah 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 blah, blah. and like these pair long paragraphs of just like run on sentences, and it's very much about like this person thinks they're cool, but they're not cool. And this person dresses like this. And I think today, should I wear this? And about like her insecurities and stuff. It's really interesting. It's like very much not something I would normally read, but I also grew up as a teen in the 90s who was interested in grunge and then got into punk music. And so this is like such my era that maybe there's parts of it where I'm like, oh, it's too real. Um, (laughs) It's it's wicked, wicked good when Amber gave me uh, gave us both co- copies. It's. I was just like, this might be the most authentic mm. book I've ever read about the teenage experience because you're like, oh my God, I was exactly like this. Yeah, and a very like specific teenage. Like I think living as like a white girl in the Northwest suburbs. Yeah. Um, like that's who's interested in this subculture. And is very angsty and is like trying yeah. to figure herself out. Yeah. And like trying to figure out how to display her personality through clothing. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's so many talks, so much talk of clothing and going to stores and trying to figure out where you get vintage clothes. Which I this struggle that was a very big deal for me. That's like amazing. trying to figure out where you you go to a Goodwill, but like where are all the cool clothes? Aren't they supposed to be at the Goodwill? I don't know. This was my so teenage funny. experience. Um. So yeah, it was great. Thank you, Amber Benson. Um. This is this is part of my read through physical books, which is very hard for me. Uh, what are you reading, Molly? I am reading a book called Untrue by Wednesday Martin, and it is a nonfiction book. And it's this amazing book that's basically about how the there's this idea in American society that, like, people, you know, heterosexual couples, they get married, they're monogamous for their entire lives, and, like, any deviation from that is bad, especially if you're a woman. And Wednesday Martin writes about how that's actually not, bi- like, that's not, biologically true and how so much of this idea that we have about how women are supposed to act and like how women what women are supposed to feel is completely untrue Hmm. it's so 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 well written um it's really like wednesday is so candid about her own experiences and her marriage and her feelings about being monogamous and how all, all, like, you know, we all are subscribed to this idea of like what a quote unquote normal relationship is, but so few people actually have that mm-hmm. and how we need to like break up this myth. Um, so that's Untrue by Wednesday Martin. And Girl by Blake Nelson. 
So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Rhonda writes in, I've been keeping track of my reading with Google Drive so that I can access it anywhere, anytime, and I can put as much as I want on my pages and don't have to worry about limited space. I keep one doc to list and rate the books I finished and to keep track of my to-read list and home library. I keep a separate folder where I track titles, authors, ratings, short reviews, themes, and my favorite quotes. When I post about a book on social media, I always include one or two of those quotes to go with it. I love that. I'm a sucker for gorgeous, relatable, or clever lines, so my favorite favorite part of finishing a book is when I open my laptop and collect all the passages I've underlined or digitally highlighted. It's like savoring a sweet dessert. Hey, this is so cool. Rhonda, send one of those to me and I'll read it. We'll we'll read it at the end when yeah. we do our outro quotes. Or you can send a, send you reading one. I would like that as well. But either way, we like to do those outro quotes of like from people's favorite books. I love those. So cool. So Charlie wrote in with a great wheelhouse. Ready? Any types of books you can flick through, e.g., Recipes, crafts, lists of ghost sightings, photos of outer space. Great. Send me that, whatever that is. Or interior design. Most recently, Cats of the National Trust, which has little blurbs about cat that, cats that live or lived in fancy UK manor houses. Amazing. Uh, interestingly rent, written nonfiction, books about statistics, essays on translation. Wow. Any fiction which switches between perspectives, especially if there are distinct plot lines and characters running parallel with different settings or genres. Wow. I don't know about any books that have plot lines, different character point of view from different genre. That's interesting. Yeah. Super cool. And then Anne wrote in with a bookshelf tip. One suggestion for the listener looking for bookshelves, if you live near a university, check and see if they have a surplus store. Hmm. They don't always have bookshelves, but my fiance has gotten some huge ones that are incredibly sturdy for something like $50 at the university surplus, which I will say, as a person who has bought many bookcases, that is very cheap. Hot tip. Hot tip. Good tip. Also, quick bookmark for our L.A. listeners. Uh, Dark Delicacies, which is an L.A. institution. It is a horror bookstore that both both me and Bria have been to many, many times. Uh, Del is just a... He's fantastic. He's also an, uh, an editor, an author. He has... He's just an L.A. staple in the horror community, and he's so great. Del and his wife, Sue, are so fantastic at supporting filmmakers and artists and writers, and they are... they. There's a situation right now in the in that part of LA that they live in where all the rents are rising, so they have to move to a new location, uh, and they're having a fundraiser. So it's Saturday, February 2nd. Uh, it's from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., and they have a bunch of really cool items that are up for sale, signed things, um, cool horror merchandise. Uh, so the, yeah, their lease is up at the end of the May, end of May, and they need some help. So if you, there's going to be a ton of people there. There's going to be some really cool stuff happening. So if you're in LA and you are a horror reader, if you have been to Dark Delicacies, uh, go on fa- Saturday, February second, and there, there's a Facebook event page if you want to look up more information. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk about book tracking, we're going to take a quick break. Is there a dog in a car at a bar on the street? Yay! I'm Allegra Ringo, a small dog owner. My dog Pistachio howls when she's excited. And I'm Renee Culvert, a big dog owner. My dog Tugboat tips over when he's sleepy. And we co-host a podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog that airs every Tuesday. We bring you all things dog. Yes, dog news, dog tech, dogs we met this week. We also have pretty famous guests on Butt Legs. We're not going to let them talk about their projects. No. Just want to hear about those dogs. We don't want to hear about your stuff, only your dogs. So join us every Tuesday on Max Fun.
this week, it's all about book journals and book tracking. We get a lot of emails about this, so we decided to get in-depth with book tracking. Yeah, and it's the beginning. It's still sort of the beginning of the year, and I feel like people are, like, still like, I gotta get, I gotta figure out how I'm tracking every part of my life. Yeah. I'm making that as a joke, but I do it. So there's there's no joke there. Bria, how do you track your reading? Well, so I only recently started t- tracking my reading. Um, I It's funny because I have a, if you go look at my Goodreads, I have a big gap, a, like an eight or 10 year gap where I did a whole bunch of them. Like I tracked it for like six months or something. And then I started re-tracking when we started this podcast. Um, but basically... I have a system where I, when I read something on Goodreads, I go mark it as read Mm -hmm. because otherwise I'm going to forget that I read it. (laughs) Um, And then every once in a while, I keep a journal made by my mother, of course, um, next to my bed where I do a little rating system that's really similar to yours if you want to describe your rating system. So I basically two ways, one's digital so I don't forget because I can just do it on my phone right away. Mm -hmm. And the other is like, you know. And like once every couple of weeks, I go and like write down all the books I've read. But explain your tra- your rating system because I basically think do the same. Yes. Uh, so I am in really serious Goodreads withdrawal right now oh. because, as I've talked about, I am staying off of Goodreads uh, because I'm very I don't want to read reviews about my about my book. Although I will say, my friend Christina, who is a fucking saint, has been going through and collecting all the five star reviews of Lady from the Black Lagoon on Goodreads and putting them into a spreadsheet for me. So I get wow. to, so I got to get to read them. So all the people who have reviewed Lady from the Black Lagoon and given it five stars, I love you very much. Thank you so much. Uh, it mean, means a lot. But I've been I used to mark everything I read on Goodreads. I don't do that anymore. And I right. like it's it's weird. Now I finish a book and I might I go for my phone and I'm like, oh, no, no, I can't, no. Can't do that. <laughs> so now uh, when I my my system is every book that I read, I take a one second video of the cover of it uh, in my one second app. I'm going to post my my January um, montage whenever we post this episode. Oh, cool. Um, and then just like you, so I have a plain lined hardcover notebook. It's basically like a little shitty moleskin knockoff. Mm-hmm. It was like really cheap at some, at like an office supply store. Um, and it has like a little elastic band that keeps it closed. And I keep a highlighter in there and a pen in there. Um, and it's all numbered. And so I used to keep audiobooks and graphic novels like in a different s- section but now I just track them all, yeah. Because like, they're all they're the for me. They're all books. Yeah. Uh, so it goes. It's like the number and the ti- then the title. Number meaning what you've read. I, yes. So I don't do that. I don't. I don't put down a number. Oh, interesting. I don't want to know how many books I read. That's amazing. I don't care. I like truly don't care, and I don't want to know because I am too competitive with my own self, and I have amazing. to be very careful about what I keep track of. Interesting. So like, yeah, I don't number them. I just write down the book title, oh. the name, and I've started doing the year because um, it's going to make it easier. The only reason I've started doing the year is because it's going to make it easier for when we do our end of year list. <laughs> so, well, that what I do, so I go, it's the number, the title, the author, and then I give it a letter grade from C minus to A plus. Same, Because same. if it's, if a book is worse than a C minus, I've probably stopped reading it. Me too, yeah. Uh, but if it's a release from this year... Uh, I highlight that highlighter that I keep in there. I highlight the number. So at the end of the year, yeah. I go through and I'm like, uh, like I can see all the green numbers and I can count how many new releases that I read and like check like, oh, I read this book came out this year. Um, I gave it an A plus. I should put it on our best of list for the year. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, It doesn't take you read like more books than I do. So it doesn't take me that long to go through my end of year list. But uh, that is a good idea. I think the key that you said, which is the key for me too, you got to keep a pin in there. Yep. If you don't keep a pin in it, you will never write it down. Like, because yeah. I'm not going to search my house for a pin 
every time I finish a book, and obviously I don't do it right away anyway, but if I'm, because I do it right before I go to bed, I do that and I do a sentence in my five-year journal, Mm -hmm. which is for people who just for some reason started listening. This is like a journal in which you write a sentence every night about like what you did or whatever. I sometimes write about how I'm feeling. Um, But if I don't keep a pen in there, I am not going to search the house for a pen. I'm too tired. I'm about to go to bed. (laughs) This is like the last thing I'm doing of the day. Um, So the key is the pen. So, Bria, what do you think you get out of your book journal? I do love looking back at stuff like this. This five-year journal is basically... so excited to start. I haven't even been doing it a year, but I'm excited I to get through the year. I imagine you wanting to get a time machine just so you can go forward in time and see the five-year journal yeah. and then come back. But I do this kind of... Yes, I wish I did. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think it's good to kind of see where you come from. Like, I, I do journal. I have journaled for a long time. I... Um, also do like an end of year, you know, oh, here was what my end of my year was like. Like I do a big like mm-hmm. thing like that. And I keep up with other things like through various apps um, in my life. And I'd like to go through and sort of see where you come from because I think that it's how, how you make progress yeah. as a personal um, thing. Um, but I find it helpful. Basically what I found that the most helpful doing is going back to the end of the year, through the end of the year and seeing like, oh, this was my favorite book of the year. Yeah. You know, Um I also think Goodreads is helpful when I accidentally reread a book. Because I'll be reading and going, did I read this before? And then I go look at Goodreads and the answer is yes. I miss Goodreads. (laughs) I really do. And I feel so bad because so many people are still friending me on there. And I want to be like. Don't you delete your account. I don't want to do that. Okay, don't delete it. I'm not ready. Yeah, don't delete it. You don't have to. I think you can just leave it and then you can go later. I mean, is it because you will go and look at your own. It's very tempting. Oh, so. Obviously, I'm on IMDb and Amazon and all of these things where you can access my work, but I do not go look that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, same. Up. It's Our the same. same temptation of looking up, like, should I see what my ex-boyfriend is doing? Yeah, don't Wh- do it. Who is he dating? What vacation is he on? What's happening? Yes. Like, I do not do it. I think someday you'll be able to go back to it and you won't even think yes, about that's it. Yes, that's what I'm hoping. So Maybe that's, after, I'm not like, you write it. two more books or something. Yes, or I, after the book comes out and, it, like, everything's died down a little bit. Yeah, that helps. But, yeah, just don't do it. You can't give in to that temptation. Nope. And it's just not part of your life. Like, nope. just don't even There's think no about point. it. There's no point. Me and my therapist talk about it all the time. <laughs> uh, um, so what about you? So you you track. You do. Uh, you have a tracking system. How do you, What do you get out of it? And honestly, I used to track a lot more I know parts you Yeah, Like, I used to track the year it came out, the number of pages. Wow, wow. But I found that after that couple, By the end of the year, it would add up all the pages you read? No. That was oh. the thing. But I, I found out, like, after I've been tracking my reading for five years now, I, that I wasn't doing anything with that data. Mm-hmm. Like, there was, it wasn't like, it wasn't like at the end of the year I would like count up the pages or like check how many, like put like it all in a chart or like how many, the year that I, the the, the year that, uh pu- like the publishing year that I read most books from, like I feel like it, track the stuff that you want to change or keep an eye on. Like you aren't reading enough women, make a book tracking journal and next to every woman, next to every book you read that was written by a woman, put a little star. Mm. Like, I don't don't feel the need to because I'm such an anxious person and I love crap like this. Uh, and I found it was so easy to fall into that hole of like tracking all kinds of stuff. Only track the stuff that actually matters to you and that you think you're actually going to get something out of it. You don't have to waste your life like listing all this stuff about a book. Like I like what we were talking about earlier in the episode that Rhonda does where she like saves lines that she likes. And, yeah, like, like well, that too. Yeah, just like keep the stuff that will actually add value to your life. I think also for me, there is there is a satisfaction, and because I'm a to-do list person, I love a list, 
there is a satisfaction of writing the book down and like something I completed. And I think that like if you are an, a goal oriented, achievement oriented person, like I am, you are, uh, then I think that this is like a nice way to encourage you to read. Yeah. And and if that's a reason you keep a tracking journal, that's fine. Like yeah. if, if you want to just write down that book because to say like, and I read this and I feel mm-hmm. happy about it. I think that that's a totally good reason. And that's part of what it is for me too. It's like, oh wow, I read two books in the last two weeks and I want to write them down and that makes me feel happy. Yeah. And I what I like it, uh, my personal book journal is that I can give a little bit more of a nuanced rating to it than five stars. Like, because I can, you know, like we talked about before, people don't realize how much rating ratings and like starred reviews affect authors. Yeah. Like, obviously, th- listen to Mallory's, listen to Mallory's anxiety over not going on to Goodreads because she's scared of what you guys are writing about. Her. Well, also, there's literally like numerical consequences. There's this algorithm on Amazon where if an, once you get 25 reviews, your book gets bumped up and like and people have an easier time finding it. Oh yeah, I believe that. So it has it has such a huge effect on authors. Uh so there's like I feel like sometimes there's a lot of pressure, you know. So um you know, if there if I if I thought a book was an A minus instead of an A plus, I'll still give it 5 stars on Goodreads or I would still give it 5 stars on Goodreads, but I can be a little bit more nuanced in my book journal. Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah, I do the exact same thing where it's like I can also just mark it as read on Goodreads yeah. and then I can which I learned from you, but I can just on my own like say like oh i wasn't a huge fan of this book it was fine um i also think that the book journal tracking is helpful for me because sometimes i do try to remember i cannot remember i'm very bad at names of books if you're an e-reader there is this weird problem where you never see the covers of the books so you kind of like forget the name and the author Mm -hmm. and what you don't hear on the show is every week I cut out me Googling who wrote the book I'm reading um, because I never know because I never see their name on it and I'm not looking at the very top of my Kindle every time. So I think that it also is helpful when someone's like, oh, do you know any, could you recommend a book about this? I can go through my Goodreads and go yeah. through my journal and be like, oh, I can recommend this book, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so other ways, other ways you can do digital spreadsheets, which are get, are person at the top talked about um dedicated reading book journals that are like says reading journal reading journal yeah Yeah. um bullet journals those are very popular calendars pretty much anything you find out what works for you book riot actually is a new a new tracking spreadsheet for this yeah you can get you could do like the book riot thing where you you know have a setup that you borrow from someone else or you could make your own system again like you don't have to you can get as crazy about it as you want you can have do like Bria's mom does and make like make hand make a beautiful journal or you could be like me and get a cheap shitty one at the office supply store like whatever works for you you don't have to get super uh you know like oh god I have to spend all this money on a book journal you can use a piece of paper you can do whatever you want yeah so Mallory who do you think sh- what what about people who don't want to track it you want to talk about that yeah you don't fucking have to <laughs> it's okay <laughs> choose, life is a choose your own adventure you don't have like you don't feel like you need to especially yeah. if you're not going to get anything about it i wouldn't worry about it unless it's something you actually want to do or you think it's going to actually improve your reading life i actually really like filling out my book journal like it makes it's like a nice little ritual for me like oh i finish a book you know i sit down in my my fa- my black velvet chair and i fill out my little book journal and lula's there meowing at me it's great and it helps me remember, you know, what I read. It's really helpful at the end of the year or the month when I'm like, who, what, like, what books did I like? Or when someone asked me for a book recommendation, I could be like, oh, he, I, this is a book I gave an A plus to. Like, this is a cool book. But if it makes you anxious or you feel like you're going to get too deep into it and like track too much or you think it's going to put pressure on your reading life, 
fucking don't. The, the whole point of a book tracking journal or tracking your reading in any way is to improve your reading life. So if it's going to make you stressed out, that is not helping your reading life. Toss it in the garbage. Right. For sure. So you can send your thoughts on book tracking to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to Marshall Lynch Quayley about Arabic literature, we're going to take a quick break. Hello, this is Amy Mann. And I'm Ted Leo. And we have a podcast called The Art of Process. We're talking about how the creative process is in itself an art form, in our opinion. There are underlying forms and structures that serve as a scaffolding for any creative endeavor. We've been lucky enough over the past year to talk to some of our friends and acquaintances from across the creative spectrum to find out how they actually work. We weirdly don't know as many musicians as you would expect. New episodes will be coming every other Monday. Starting January 28th. So please listen and subscribe at Max. MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcast. So here we are with podcaster and translator Marsha Links Quayley. Marsha, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. What are you reading right now? Uh, well, I just finished Mezen Maruf's Jokes for the Gunman, which I was rereading, or rather reading the translation by Jonathan Wright after having read the original a couple years ago. Uh, and I love it all over again. And it's, it's a different experience to read it in the translation, but I think Jonathan has done a great job of capturing this childlike voice, childlike naive voice, uh, ex- re-experiencing the Lebanese, well, it's not named, but it feels like the Lebanese Civil War. Uh, so really taking us into this context that's quite familiar, uh, you know, even if you haven't lived through war, you have some idea of what it's like. Um, and also other things, dementia, even if you you haven't experienced a parent with Alzheimer's, you have some idea of, of what it's like through these very naive voices that startle you into seeing things anew. Maruf is originally a poet, and he really brings that poetic um, sense of of the fresh and the new with language to his short stories. Um, And then now I'm also rereading uh, Imen Marcel's How to Mend Motherhood and Its Ghosts, and she's also a poet who's moved into writing prose. uh, and this was translated by Robin Mosier. Awesome. And I, uh, and I also really love Imen's writing, uh, although you know some of it. Um, I, I, I am a mother, and some of it is you know, I, uh, you, I, I get tired of this experience of being a mother, and I don't want to read about being a mother. I'm done. You know, reading is for something else. So, uh, but but there are parts of it that I really enjoy, nonetheless. That sounds great. Can you tell us about your podcast? Yeah. Uh, so we started Bullock, um, Ursula Lindsay and myself in in the fall of 2017, not long after I had moved to Rabat, which, Morocco, which is where Ursula had lived for several years before me. We both used to live in Cairo at the same time as well. Uh, and we both left Cairo around the same time. Um, and it was her idea that we, we do a podcast. People had been urging me to do a podcast for, for years. And to do a podcast alone, I just had no concept of how that would work out. But to do it with 
another person, um, another person of the very few of us in, in this world who are interested in Arabic literature and translation and the intersections between Arabic literature and translation. Uh, I think to have two of us in, in the same city and in a rather small city is, is quite a feat. Um, we've, we've talked about structuring it more, you know, doing it more like a radio show, planning it out more. Um, but as it stands now, we really kind of enjoy having a, sort of a loose structure of topics that we're going to talk about, a guest that we might have on. Um, and, and we kind of talk around a, a few issues such as coming up might be the, the long list of the International Prize for Big Fiction is out. What are the sort of controversies around that? Because since there are always controversies around literary prizes. Other, we've had uh, guests on I particularly liked. I, you know, I got to drag on my favorite poet, Zina Heshenbeck, <laughs> which was just a delight. So I think that's, to me, that's the best part of having a podcast. Uh, all the, the guests we've had on thus far have been sort of my heroes. So uh, I really enjoy that. I mean, I hear you. That is one, that and the free books is the two best things about having a literary podcast. So, and you, you also run Arab Lit. Can you tell us about that? Yes, I guess that's the way I originally started getting free books. So I started that in 2009. And when I started it, um, it was more of a, I guess it was a blog, you know, it was sort of a diary uh, about my experience with Arabic literature, but it really changed over the years into kind of a news source and a place to discuss issues. And then um, uh, it started, then we started a a short story prize for Arabic short stories and translation, uh, Arabic, Arab Lit Quarterly, which is a, a journal affiliated with it. Um, Arab Kid Lit Now, which is a, um, a sort of a literary agenting cooperative specifically for uh, Arabic children's literature. Um, so it really kind of has <laughs> turned into a gigantic octopus, I guess, um, all around Arabic literature and translation. So would that be a good place to start that and your podcast for listeners who are interested in getting um, into more Arabic literature and in translation? That's a really interesting question. I guess I occasionally run pieces that say, here, you want to have a a starter kit or a, a where do I start with Arabic literature and translation? Because I think, you know, if you go to the blog, it really, it probably does seem like talking to a somewhat um, a community that already knows what sort of the ground rules are and and um, what we're doing. Uh, I guess you know starting with the magazine Arab Lit Quarterly might be a start. There's a an an, uh, an issue of the Common magazine that was dedicated to Arabic literature. That's that would be a great place to start. Um, I guess I'm going to have to make a piece that says start here or what if you know. What, what if I don't know anything about Arabic literature? Can you help me out? I, I you know, I do talks at universities sometimes um, because, and, you know, and it, it's always a good reminder because sometimes we forget that we're starting from a different place than, than other people, you know. So, did you have any favorite releases in 2018 in Arabic literature? 
I did. I particularly loved uh, Stella Gaetano, who is a South Sudanese writer who writes in uh, in Arabic because she uh, she studied in Khartoum and then she grew up in in northern Sudan. And she had this collection out called Withered Flowers, and uh, both in Arabic and in translation by Anthony Calderbank. And it's a short story collection, and I found it just startling and wonderful, the intersections of sort of South Sudanese um, folk stories and uh, Arabic literature, literary uh, storytelling. It, it was just, the language was vivid and absolutely wonderful. I also loved a uh, Lebanese fairy tale sort of uh, collection, folk tale collection, uh, folk tales told by women writers for, or not women writers, by women for women. So folk tales that were told amongst groups of women specifically. And I guess it was the first time I'd read a collection of folk tales where, you know, there were a lot of pregnant, unwed young mothers. And that was sort of a, a an issue that we had to solve in the course of the folk tale, you know, versus the sort of the Cinderella type folk tale where everybody's very chaste. This had real, real life, real women's problems in it. Um, I loved Arwa Saleh's Stillborn, uh, Radwa Ashur's The Journey, <laughs> Duny Mikhail's The Beekeeper. Uh, I, I guess one of the interesting things uh, about 2018 was that almost all of my favorites were by women. Uh, two uh, exceptions to that was Muhammad Shire's Children of the Alley, uh, the story of a banned novel, which is uh, he's writing a trilogy about Nigib Mahfouz, which is Arabic's only Nobel Prize winner. And this is a really wonderful uh, history, not only of Mahfouz's issues with uh, this not his novel being banned and then ultimately an attempt being made on his life because of this novel, but everything that was going on in Egypt at the time. And there's only there's just one chapter of it that's been translated thus far, but it was one of my favorite reads in Arabic in 2018. Uh, is there, are there any books coming out this year that you're really excited about? Um, I am. Well, there, uh, Jokes for the Gunman just came out this month, and I'm excited about that. We finally have a bunch of books uh, of Arabic children's literature coming out in English translation. I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm excited, of course, about the one I, uh, I translated, Ghedi and Rowan. Uh, but also there's a YA novel, uh, um, by Ahlam Bisharat, and there's a couple of uh, picture books by uh, Gulnar Haji and uh, I'm sorry, Gulnar Hajjo, and I'm um, I'm very excited to start seeing a movement from Arabic children's literature into English. Uh, the new Nagib Mahfouz book that Muhammad Shahir discovered as part of his research in uh, on his own book, uh, he discovered these sort of lost Mahfouz manuscripts. One of them is coming out this year in the fall. Uh, we don't know what the title is yet. It was called A Whisper of Stars. It came out December 11th in, in Arabic, December 11th, 2018. We, it'll come out this fall, 2019 in English, but they haven't decided uh, what the title is going to be yet. Um, and uh, I'm, I mean, I'm generally excited about stories this year, short story collections. Uh, one of my favorite British authors, Arenison Okojie, has out a new, or however, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce her name, um, has out a new short story collection 
in October, I think. There's Palestine Plus 100, Rania Matmoun has had a short story collection. So I'm really looking forward to, to a lot of great short story collections this year. Those all sound awesome. So can you tell us about your reading life? Do you have any reading quirks you want to share? I guess my weirdest, <laughs> my re- reading quirk is that um, I consider anything a guilty pleasure that is not Arab or Arabic literature. So whenever I, I say, oh, my guilty pleasure, I'm reading Lincoln and the Bardo. Oh, you know, my guilty pleasure is, you know, uh, uh, you know that I'm reading um, – uh, you know, the Underground Railroad, people think I'm a, a little bit nuts. But I, um, to me, it, it is such a great pleasure to read outside of things that are for work, uh, that I, I enjoy it greatly. And then I also, I love uh, audiobooks. And so if I, if I can have something as, as an audiobook, it's a tremendous, also guilty. It, you know, it just feels like it's less... It's, it's, you know, like watching a TV show almost, I guess. <laughs> so what about your reader wheelhouse? So I really, I think I really like um, fairy and folktale inspired work uh, that has some kind of surreal slash literary twist. Um, I, I love things that blur genre lines. Um, so like, you know, sci-fi plus horror plus literary and then also it's you know it's set among a, a, a tradition that that we haven't seen these sorts of stories yet before um i really love palestinian ya or that could just be that the last you know five palestinian ya novels i really enjoyed and i i'm a big i'm a big um not hard slash military sci-fi reader um so, you know, literary sci-fi and K. Jemison is a big guilty pleasure read for me as well. So where can we find you online? Where can we find your podcast? Um, probably you can find me way too many places online. Um, my central place online is, is ArabLit.org. I have four different Twitter accounts oh, wow. <laughs> that I update every day. Um, one of them is Arab Lit. One of them is World Kid Lit, um, it, about world, uh, children's literature and translation. One of them is Bulak. Uh, it's Bulak Books on Twitter. And then I also pretend to be Ahmed Ferasichidyak, which who was a 19th century Lebanese writer. Um, you know, and there's also an Arab Lit Facebook group. There's ArabKidLitNow.com. There's the World Kid Lit uh, website. Uh, I have probably too many places online where you can find me. Um, but generally speaking, if you just go to arablit.org, you can find most of it right there. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. And this is a special question. Do you want to read this one? Oh, yeah. From our friend Helena Santos, who... Um, owns operates the site Ms. and the Biz, which yes. is a great site if you're trying to uh, get information and want to be a woman in the business of Hollywood. It's a really fantastic website. Yes, we love her. She's amazing. Um, and she texted me this the other day. My reader listener question slash problem is that along with just actually reading... I am really trying to be an e-reader, hence getting my Kindle back up and going, but I love the feeling of actual books, although I hate hardcovers with a passion. 
and love paperbacks. But I want to e-read more so I can get stuff from the library and for cheaper. I just don't get excited about reading via my Kindle, but I want to change that so I can get excited about my Kindle, less to carry, more convenient, holds more books, etc. But the tech versus physical paper is bumming me out. Have you guys done an episode with tips on that that I may have missed? Well, guess what? Here it is. (laughs) Bria, what should she do? I mean... I think that she's already naming the best part of the e-reader. Like, I get it. Like, I get it. It's not as, it's not as like, um, nostalgic or fancy or uh, wonderful as a physical book. Like, that is very true of an e-reader. But the best part of the e-reader is it carries all of your books. has all of them. So yep. many books. And they're all free if you get them from the library. If I didn't have a card, I a library card, I'd probably be in massive debt. But they are a little cheaper on your Kindle than physical copies as well. Um, I do think with time that that aspect of it, of mm-hmm. the having so many books for people who read sort of voraciously and like always like are like, oh, no, what if I can't carry four books with me? And what if I finish this book or I actually don't carry that big of a purse anymore right now? I got a little small purse. It's a little small vintage purse. Oh. So I don't have I don't carry even my Kindle. I just keep everything on my phone. Where are you going to put all your snacks? I know. It's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nightmare. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a true nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, I just think the general accessibility of the e-reader for me is great. And so, Helena, I think that's sort of what you have to learn to love. Um, But it's weird to me sometimes because I think about, like, a book that's, like, this heavy. It's used all this paper. I know people are going to get mad about that. It's used all this paper. It's just one book. That's wild. My e-reader has so many books on it. (laughs) It's so many books. I mean, how do you do a five-hour plane ride without five options of books to read? What if you don't like one of the books? It makes me feel insane. I have to have that many options or else I think I would lose my mind. So I think she's already naming the things that are good. But I will will say I agree with her. Someone gave me an e-reader like seven years ago or something. And up until that point, I was like, no, I only read physical books. What are you talking about? And I took it on vacation and I was like... Oh, I see. <laughs> and like, and I think even then I was buying books still on it. I wasn't. I hadn't even hooked it up to my library card. And I, but learning, you kind of learn to love those ways. Yeah. And now I have this weird thing where, like, if I'm reading a physical book, I can't even fall asleep. I'm like too like engaged or something. So I have to go to my e-reader to read to get myself relaxed again to fall asleep because I fall asleep reading every night. Um, so I think you. It's one of those things that, like, with any technology. We all learned to use iPhones. We all learned to love them. Now, maybe you haven't, whatever. We all learned to use cell phones. How about that? And, and then you, and then at some, now you're like, what do I do without my cell phone? Yeah. I think you start to feel that way, but it is a learning curve. And I feel for her. It is like a, it's not, there's nothing romantic about an e-reader. They're not designed to be beautiful. The first company that realizes they should do that will be very smart. Uh, they're designed to be functional. But I think you'll appreciate the functionality and the practicality at some point. Yeah. What do you think? All right, my advice is kind of weird. Okay, I'm ready. I I think you need to romance your e-reader. Oh my! <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Get some candles. No, I think so. Like you said, I think one of the hardest things to overcome for folks switching from print books to e-readers is that there's so much. If you're a big reader, there's so much positive sensory memory from reading yeah. print books that, like, when I pick up a book, it, I'm like Pavlov's reader. Yeah, yeah. Like my, I crack open a book and my body's like, oh yeah, we're gonna fucking relax. This is gonna be great. <laughs> but you don't have that same association with an e-reader. Yeah, your body's like, what is this? A fucking giant phone? What? Well, like what what is the yeah. what, what's going to happen here and i so i think 
you need to train yourself to have great experiences with your e-reader. Like start, you know, take it outside, take it in the tub with the sandwich, but put it in a plastic bag first, both the sandwich and the, the and the e-reader. Like go out of your way for a while to have really nice reading experiences with it. So that way your body's like, oh yeah, we're picking up the e-reader. We're mm-hmm. about to fucking relax. This I is actually awesome. saw her do this on her Instagram. She was like at a at a nice breakfast with herself and her e-reader. I yeah. saw this right after she sent us this. Yeah. But I think that what you're saying is good. Like, cause in not only you're like, you're like, you're adding these memories to the e-reader. I think it is. It's that new thing where we're all learning yeah. something different. So it's not gonna feel the same. And it never does, honestly. Like when I pick up a book, I am like, ooh, books are so nice. They're so heavy. Like, what's the deal with this? Yeah. You know, like it feels so crazy, but you do start to learn to love the world of e-reading. Yeah, I think, yeah, you just you need to get in that honeymoon phase. <laughs> Romance that evening. Romance your Buy e-reader. It, you get you're like glass. I'll have two glasses of wine, please. One for me, <laughs> one for my e-reader. <laughs> there's like like all the romance. Like there's a guy playing the piano in the background for some reason. <laughs> you're like push, you're like pushing a plate of spaghetti. It's you on a gondola with your e-reader. It's like your, <laughs> it's a, you're having one piece of the spaghetti, and your e-reader has another piece of the spaghetti. <laughs> I want somebody to draw, draw a picture of Bria sharing a plate of spaghetti with an e-reader. <laughs> it's very funny. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy who are in our Facebook group. Also, just a quick uh, uh, th- extra thanks to our amazing Facebook moderators, Bria and I were talking about before we started this, before we started recording the show. And it's going to be a little late because we record things ahead of time. But we want to thank Danielle and Kathy extra because I know that you two have gone above and beyond because there's been so many Marie Kondo things happening in the Facebook Drama. group. A lot of people were very upset about Marie Kondo saying that you should only have 30 books and people were had some very heated words for Marie Kondo which is you know what she's she's a lady folks leave her alone she has her system it doesn't work for you like you know that you're going to be buying all those books that people are giving away at the used Ooh, bookstore ask them for those books there's been a 30% increase in the uh, at, at thrift stores of all because of Marie Kondo? Yeah, all kinds of people are bringing their stuff. Tell so, you what, I read that book a long time ago. I did it. I will never I won't do it again. I did it in my underwear drawer the other day. It was pretty nice, but I'm not gonna do it to my books. But let's not <laughs> tell Marie Kondo that she needs to die. So I just want to thank our moderators. <laughs> They've done a, such a good job at keeping a lid on all of that. You two are That's rock stars. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, and also Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page remember you can buy reading glasses tote bags and shirts and bookmarks in the Maximum Fun store link in the show notes and if you like the show please rate and review us on iTunes it really helps us it helps us reach more readers it helps us get more guests it really makes a difference for us it's like a nice free quick way to help us out and you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast and you can follow along on us and all the people who are doing the reading glasses 2019 challenge on the hashtag reading glasses challenge thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading, reading. maximumfun.org comedy and culture Artist owned. Listener supported.